Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yeah, hello everybody and welcome to THS, That Hockey Show, coming to you every Thursday from the Go Hockey Media Studios here in Long, or I should say on Long Island, New York, and abroad. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the HQ here, the motherboard. And as always, we will have our four great commentators coming up here throughout the afternoon. Starting with Joe Yurden coming up here at 1210. We'll talk some Sabres in the East Division. Costa Papalias will join us at 1230. Tad Bamford at 1250. And then Steve at 110 from Cali. Tab obviously from uh, Chicago. We'll do some uh, Central. Costa up north in Montreal. We'll do some... Uh, Canadian division stuff, and then Steve will wrap up the show with us doing the West, and uh, we'll talk a little Devils as well. But anyway, it's time to get things started. Appreciate you guys supporting us and listeners listening to us here, and keep supporting us there on the uh, podcast there, Apple and Spotify, and make sure you follow all the guys and follow us at That Hockey Show. So, 14 games on the schedule tonight, so tons of hockey. If you are a hockey fan right now, it is Christmas uh, pretty much every other day, I should say. Last night we had two games. Uh, the Preds put 46 pucks uh, on the Hawks last night, and uh, they won with a nice say, uh, nice shootout goal there by uh, Duchesne there uh, to win 2-1, I should say. Man, the mouth is not working so far in this episode. But anyway, we carry on. But uh, Ken Lankin and uh, 46 shots he faced there for the Hawks. Uh, so they get the point. And oddly enough, with the... Uh, the tough start here for the Hawks and obviously the the Panthers and the Stars only playing three games. The uh, the Hawks right now are in a playoff position. So we'll talk to Tab about that a little later on. Uh, the Canucks put five up on the Sens last night. And uh, they've been, uh, you know, hanging tough there up in the uh, the North Division, I should say. The Canadian Division uh, with four wins and five losses and a wild uh, last two games, obviously, against the Canadians. Uh, lost those two games and... Gave up a ton of goals, and we'll talk to uh, Costa about that a little later on as well. As far as tonight, um, lots of games. Pens are at the, in Boston against the Bruins. Uh, my Rangers will try and split with the Sabres tonight against Joey Sabres up there in Buffalo. Flyers are in New Jersey. They're going to try and split that series. The Devils are anyway after losing on Tuesday. Isles and the Caps. Isles fans are uh, quite upset losing to uh, the Capitals the other night, missing four of their top stars. Uh, so they'll see if they can get the split there as well. Tampa Bay uh, will be uh, at the Canes. Uh, the Cats are in Columbus, and Columbus obviously new uh, with the new player now on their team. We'll talk about that throughout the show, obviously, too, with uh, uh, Line A and Dubois getting traded for each other with Winnipeg there and Columbus. Uh, Flames uh, into the Habs. I watched the Flames-Ronto game the other night, and it was awesome. Uh, Flames are going to be uh, – that should be a fun night tonight. I think the Flames, they got something. Um, like I said, they played a really hot Toronto team the other night, but uh, looking good. That's that's a, that's a good one. I'm circling that one tonight for a great game as far as the Flames and the Habs are concerned. Uh, the Kings go into Minnesota to play the Wild. The wins, the Wings are at the Stars. 
their fourth game of the season. There you go. Most teams have played eight. Uh, Blues at the Knights. Sharks will be in Colorado. Uh, Ducks will be playing the Yotes. And the Sens will be playing the Canucks tonight. And the Leafs will look to continue on from their win against Calgary at the end of the night and play the Oilers. And I'm telling you, man, this Canadian division to me right now I think is the is a lot of fun. All the teams are uh, pretty exciting to watch, at least the top uh, four or five teams, no doubt about it. But um, a lot of talent up there, a lot of Canadian pride going on up there, and um, I just think that's a lot of fun. So a couple of really good games uh, to look at there tonight, Leafs at Oilers. And then, obviously, the Flames at the Habs. Um, some other general quick news going around. Obviously, we'll we'll get into the uh, Dubois and uh, Line trade. Um, Penguin, Penguins uh, GM Rutherford, he just resigned for personal reasons. Uh, maybe we'll talk to Joe Yurden about that for a little bit. Um, and uh, Vegas is actually still uh, – and as far as, you know, Rutherford there, uh, Patrick uh, Alvin – uh, he was the assistant GM. He just got promoted to acting GM. So we'll see how he does with the Pens. The Pens, the Pens are playing pretty well. So they're okay. Uh, Vegas, uh, number one still in the power rankings at NHL.com. Um, and, uh, you know, here we are, second week uh, of the league. Like I said, we're hitting uh, eight, nine games for most of the teams here. Uh, and as far as the standings in the top of the league, you got the Leafs at 6-2-0. and Vegas just talking about 5-1-1. and Caps are 4 and 3 Habs are 4-0-2, Jets are 5-2-0, and again, Dallas and Florida are both 3-0, and they've only played three games, so again, they're just getting started um, with their seasons. As far as the bottom of the league right now, uh, you got the, from the bottom up, Sens are 1-5-1, uh, my Strangers are 1-4-1, struggling, obviously. Uh, the Canes, just talking about a 2-1-0, but again, only three games for them so far. Wings are 2-4-1, uh, and the Yotes are at 2-4-1. Uh, as well. So there's your bottom five as far as that's going on. Um, as far as tops in the league, too, uh, Mitch, Mon- uh, Mitch Marner from the Leafs and uh, Connor McDavid are uh, leading the league with 12 points. Um, Rantanen uh, on Colorado and Pacioretty on Vegas both have six goals each. They're leading the league as far as goals scored. Uh, Mark Stone in Vegas and Anze Kopitar in uh, L.A. at the Kings both have nine nine assists, leading the assists there in the league so far. Um, uh <clears throat> Tavares and uh, James Van bike both have four power play goals, um, so they're they're pretty uh, doing pretty good there. Obviously on special teams for their squads. Uh, as far as the goal goaltenders are concerned, all with four wins right now: Grubauer, Colorado, uh, Anderson with the Leafs, Bennington in uh, St. Louis, and Halibut in Winnipeg with the Jets. So we're still very early in this season. Um, some of the teams at the top, you can see they're kind of shining a little bit. Really impressed with Montreal in terms of their scoring. They're getting scoring from everybody. I think they've had 29 goals, and it's spread out through the whole team. Again, we'll talk to Costa about that. Um, and then, um, you know, just uh, these other teams are just getting to start to play. COVID a little bit, obviously, last week with the Caps, but the Caps are doing fine so far. Uh, continue to win without those guys, and there'll be something else when those guys get back into it as well. And... Um, you know, it's been, it's been fun hockey as much as you can uh, take. You know, other stories, you know, as far as the, you know, the teams at the bottom of the league there, the Rangers and the Senators and the, the Wings and the Yotes. I mean, these, these are teams in transition, lost a lot of pieces. Uh, maybe a little more surprising with the Rangers in, some of the, in terms of the talent that they have. Um, but they're, they're trying to work that out. And, you know, we get into the next four. I think at this point in the season, right, it's, it's kind of like a crossroads for most of these teams right now. Um, you know, with six to eight games played, 
your next four to five games are going to be huge because if you, like, say if the Rangers lose these four or five, they're just basically going to be a stomping piece for the rest of the teams in the divisions in terms of they'll have a target on their back knowing, hey, we beat these guys, we keep these guys down, and it'll be the same for the any of the other teams at the bottom of these divisions. So these next four or five games are going to be huge for them to either climb back into the standings and, and make things happen. But um, like I said, there's so much still yet to go on. And um, this is the thing. We're early in the league, and we'll see what happens. But right now, it's time to talk to our friend from the, the northern part of New York. The northern, pretty much one of the northernmost parts of New York that you can go. And that's the great city of Buffalo. And that's Mr. Joe Yordan. Joe, how you doing, pal? Doing good, Paulie. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I got, I got to ask you first, how's everybody up in Buffalo doing after the championship game lost last week? Everybody okay up there? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I, it, it's a weird sort of torture thing because I, I posed this question to some of my buddies. I said, if you know Buffalo is going to lose, and I know that's the kind of defeatist mindset a lot of people in Buffalo have, but if you know they're going to lose, would you rather them lose to Kansas City? Would you rather them lose to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? And a lot of people didn't like me asking that question. Um, so thankfully, uh, they don't have to get an idea of what it's like to face Tom Brady again. But they're bummed out. Uh, it, I mean, it's been, what, 1994? It's all been almost 30 years since the last time they were in the Super Bowl. But AFC Championship, I mean, they're not going away. I think they'll be back next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, good for them. Good for the city. A fun couple of weeks there for them and a, and a great season, and they can uh, build on it. they got some great talent there, and uh, I think uh, Josh Allen will uh, he'll lead the way, and uh, they'll definitely be in the mix. There's no doubt about it. So as far as the Bills and Buffalo and football, they're okay for the next couple of years. Um, we're definitely going to get into the Sabres here today with you, uh, looking for a uh, you know two in a row here against the Rangers and stuff. But uh, I want to start with the, with the league, and we're second mm-hmm. week in, uh, eight, uh, eight games in for most teams. Uh, Dallas, obviously. Florida and the Canes have only got three in with their with their COVID delays and everything. But uh, maybe something this week that stood out in terms of gameplay, and then we'll get into the division a little bit. And obviously the big stories with the the Dubois trade and, and obviously Rutherford stepping down in Pittsburgh. But uh, your take now, second week into the season, Joe. Well, you know what it it, it it's weird to to think of it this way, but I I look at how everything's going and boy it seems rough like the games are pretty sloppy there's a lot you know you're seeing a lot of mistakes being made everywhere and this isn't just like the, the the games that i'm watching but this is every game but there's a lot of mistakes being made all over the place that you don't usually see or usually you see that stuff early in a season um but you're seeing it everywhere right now because a lot of you know so, there's a good handful of these teams that haven't played in almost a year. You got another bunch of teams that haven't played in you know four or five months or whatever it is so um it's not unexpected but you know what? I've always been on the mind that sloppy hockey is fun hockey to watch. Yeah, I know. You said <laughs> that like, last week. You said you you you're real happy. <laughs> oh, man. So it, it, it at least makes things more interesting because once these teams get drilled down to their systems and they get everything down and they got it down to almost the science, it's not that the game is boring. But like when you know what to expect and you know where you're going into those games and you, you gotta you have to find your your one or two things that you can do right to to try to put that team off their edge, it gets a little bit scientific at that point. And so like at this point right now, like you know if I was if I, if I was a sort to do a lot of like daily fantasy sports and things like that, man, I'd be pulling my hair out every day because I wouldn't know what to expect game to game aside from. I don't know this, 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 you know, this one team's maybe scored a bunch of goals lately. Uh, maybe I can side with those guys and see how it goes. I, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do if I was, if I was doing, uh, if I was doing any of that stuff. 
<laughs> like, you know, I didn't, did you, um, do you do fantasy leagues? I mean, I, I'm not doing one this year and I'll be honest with the last couple of years, I get, I get too busy and I can't, mm-hmm. I can't stay out with my team. I can't update my rosters and everything. Is that something that you, you're involved with at all? Do you have a, a fantasy squad? I, I, I've got one fantasy team left and it's a, it, it's a, it's a wild league. It's a, it's a, uh, dynasty league. Uh, it's a keeper league. Um, and it's there's 24 teams and we've <laughs> we've got like a giant starting roster. We've got a, like a, a minor league squad that's all like prospects and, and AHL keep guys that you keep on to. Um, it's deep and you can't really if if there's a guy that like comes up out of nowhere that might be a free agency, like good luck to you getting him because you, if you if you haven't like pre scouted him out already and had an idea that that guy's there, you probably aren't getting him. Uh, so like you got if you got to try to change up your team, you got to try to make trades and man, like you you can trade draft picks, you can do all this stuff. It's it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot, man. And like trying to manage it this year, like you can only change your your lineups weekly. So uh, if you got a guy that, that ends up on the COVID list in the middle of the week, well, goodbye, goodbye to that guy getting yeah. your points. You know, like it's tough. It's it's a it's a really difficult league. This is like the third or fourth year I've been in it, and I've gotten my clock cleaned the last <laughs> two years, man. Like I, I'm telling you, like people would accuse me of tanking uh, with how with how poorly <laughs> I've done in this league. So, um, but it's but you know what? It, it makes you do your research on everything. Because you can't you can't go flying into the draft or like the or the miners draft or the um, uh, you know when, when you redraft your team to get you know to get the rest of your your team built out, man oh man you cannot be snoozing you you got to be on top of stuff you can't just fly to it and say like well this guy was good the last couple of years maybe he's good now no <laughs> no like you and it's oh it's also salary capped too wow so um yeah so it's it's a lot <laughs> there's a lot going a lot. on with it. That's too much for me, Joe. I, I can't handle that. And, and then it's in, too much in the, for me sometimes, man. Yeah, let me tell I mean, you. And those two things. I mean, it's a fifty-six game season this year, and the fact that you know the the COVID stuff pulling guys out of your lineup. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I think I'm going to sit back and I'll, I'll wait for the books that are written in the fantasy for the fantasy <laughs> hockey this year. Or, uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll hit up uh, Jensen uh, at the NHL who does the fantasy stuff too and see how it went. But uh, that's a trip. So look. um, before we get into the division, obviously two two big um, you know news stories this week. I want to get your your take on. Obviously Rutherford resigning in Pittsburgh, and mm-hmm. obviously the uh, Dubois and Line trade in in Winnipeg. Real quick take on those two things that happened this past week. Well, Rutherford resigning is a, is a stunner. I don't I don't think anybody was anticipating any of that any of that sort of thing happening there. It puts Pittsburgh in a bind because they've had a difficult start to their year uh you know they've got what uh, what are they're four four two and one right now i mean it's nine points so like that's it's not sitting bad in this division right now um but you know any team losing a gm uh for you know reasons that are only known to the organization uh that's tough because you and you're in a position where you're trying to compete still. You're trying to win a Stanley Cup because you got a roster that's getting older. You got a team that's got superstars that are getting older. You can't just sit around and say like, well, maybe we'll rebuild on the fly. Uh-uh. Pittsburgh can't do that. They gotta they gotta get it right and they gotta get it right right now. And so they gotta they're in a tough spot uh, trying to fill fill those shoes. But 
you know, you look at the way Rutherford's kind of done things the last couple of years. There's, you know, some questionable moves on the defense. I mean, they, they they were able to get buoyed last year by John Marino kind of stepping up last year out of out of out of the blue and being a big guy in the defense. But you know, they you know they go out and they get Cody Cece this year. You know, they had Jack Johnson before. He didn't play very well. You know, Justin Schultz was there. They, you know, Rutherford kind of made him the scapegoat for for what happened in the postseason uh, when he and Johnson didn't do very well as a pair together. Uh, so it made that kind of cut out Schultz coming back there as an option. But um, but that, that that's a team that's got some rough edges on the defense. You know, the goaltending looks questionable right now. We'll see if it we'll see if it flattens out. Um, but that's that, that's a tough job to step into because you got some big egos in that room. You got to try to keep happy as well. Being a new GM, I can I can understand why the the list of people uh, that's kind of popped up as, as possible replacements. Those are those are all experienced veteran GMs. I just wonder about you know what happens down the road in two or three seasons when this roster is a little older again, and you're trying to you know you're trying to get get figured out if you're gonna if you're gonna rebuild fully or if you're going to try to keep you know keep going at it with you know Sydney and, and Malkin in their mid-30s trying to try to get back at it one more time that's that's tough and Joe uh, you're you're not familiar with Patrick Alvin at all the uh, the guy who's stepping in the interim like he, he's no. not a guy they're gonna they're gonna bump up to the the full-time gig right uh right now I would say that that that's a hard sell to me uh, that they're going to keep them in the in that spot. I mean, they need somebody to steer the ship. In the meantime, yeah. I would be really surprised if if they if they promoted him full time, or even gave him, um, if they even gave him the uh, the authority to make big moves. You know, like that that alone would be a very surprising thing to me. What's Mario doing these days? <laughs> he's busy being the owner. I don't think he wants to be the GM. I think he's ma- he's making enough decisions on his own. I I, I wouldn't want to. I, imagine trying to make a trade, and on the other end of the phone is Mario Lemieux saying, "Like, all right, here's what I want to do." I just I'd be like, "Wow, Mario, holy cow, this is great!" I get to talk to Mario Lemieux. No, 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 really, trade me this guy. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> oh man, just can picture it, man. It'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Pens will figure that out. Look, the talent's there, uh, you know, this division right now, uh, mixing it up a little bit. Before we, we get into it, though, I, I got to get your take, two on on the Lade trade in Dubois. And obviously, just maybe a quick take of you on, on you know, players that are not happy with their teams. Obviously, this is nothing new. But these guys are, every year now in any sports, they're making even more money. And it just seems to be very complicated for the, the owners and the teams and the coaches and obviously the players um, and, but I, you know, who's the blame in this and, and maybe just a quick take on, on the, on the move and, and who do you think it benefits? Well, you know, th- this one, this one's a weird one because, you know, every player in this trade that got moved all asked to be moved. You know, this wasn't, this wasn't something where it was, you know, one guy get, gets kind of blindsided and, and sent, sent out in a deal. And it's just like, wow, I didn't want to be traded. No, all these guys, all these guys wanted to get moved at, at, at certain points, you know, Roslovich seemed done, uh, line a, you know, basically said like, you know, hey, maybe this isn't going to work anymore. Let's, you know, maybe go somewhere else. Like they, they're playing hardball with him on contract stuff. And, you know, he's he's going to be RFA, I think, after this year. And then Dubois, you know, that whole situation in Columbus seemed really untenable, especially after he gets benched for the, the remainder of that last game after kind of mailing it in on that shift in the first period and he gets sat for the rest of the game. You know, that kind of stuff, you, you cannot you cannot abide that. So you got to make a move. And in this case, I mean, it works out that both teams had all these guys, you know, ready to move and they were able to pull it off. And 
you know, it's basically a pretty easy trade to do. Uh, but there's a lot of questions moving ahead as to, you know, how long these guys are going to stay there. You know, is Lina going to really want to stay in Columbus? You know, is Dubois, I mean, I know Dubois' dad coach is, is a coach with the Manitoba Moose. So, you know, he's got, he's got his old man in town up there. So like, that's, that makes things a little easier as far as that goes. But, um, but I mean, you know, for, for these teams, I mean, it doesn't solve a ton of problems. I mean, I know for Winnipeg yeah. it does because Dubois is a center, uh, but Columbus gives up a center. They could, you know, they can't afford to give up centers. You know, they're still going to be on the prowl for, for, for guys in the middle. And, um, you know, but I mean, if, Hey, if line a can, can handle torts screaming at him about his defense and, and just kind of snipe shots all day, that works out good. And Hey, if Dubois settles things at, at the center position for Winnipeg, I mean, they still got a ton of talent on the wings there. So, um, but Winnipeg's big problems are the defense. So, you know, it, it takes care of issues as far as the room goes, but I, as far as their rosters, it doesn't really address too much. Yeah, now nah, we'll see it play out too. I mean, uh, hopefully for the both organizations, it solved a uh, at least a PR problem more than anything, and we'll see what yeah. happens on the ice. You know, all right. So uh, let's talk about this uh, East Division here a little bit. Caps on top, uh, even without their top four guys, uh, they're doing all right. On the fans were livid the other night, losing to the what they felt was an <laughs> AHL team. Uh, <laughs> Boston still playing well, four and one. Philly four and two. Like uh, everybody's playing tonight. Lots of games. Going to be lots of changes. It's still early, Joe. So I just want to jump into where the Sabers kind of fit into the mix right now. Uh, beating my Rangers the other night. Um, you know, uh, coming back, uh, winning that game, and then they're, they're going to mm-hmm. go for the, uh, the the juggler here tonight. I saw pal that you were back up in the press box the other <laughs> night, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so let's let's talk about this team. Three three and one after seven. Um, like I said, looking for the back-to-back wins against the uh, the Rangers after losing two to the Caps, and then uh, Allmark, you know, coming back, his dad passing, playing steady here for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, Olaf's just leading with three goals on the team. Eichel gets on the board, of course. He scores his first goal against my Rangers. Uh, eight points for the team with seven assists, obviously. And uh, Allmark's played three straight in this whole thing. And um, just want to know, uh, maybe after the two losses, the game against the Rangers. Um, anything that you can take away, maybe what impressed you about the Sabres following these guys out of the gate where they were struggling a little bit? Well, you know what? The, the thing about them that I think is, is going to be a strength moving ahead is, is how this team, team together plays defense. Not necessarily just putting it on the blue liners, but, but this, this team together as a defense plays some pretty stingy hockey. I mean, it's, they, they'll give up shots on goal, but you know what? It's the classic keep the shots to the outside Keep them out of the, keep them away from the slot. Keep them out of the, the you know, the, the in front of the net. They don't give up a ton of chances around there, which kind of makes the the goaltending thing stand out a little bit more in games that they've they've lost. But uh, but they play they play really well as far as limiting those opportunities, and that's that to me it makes them a bit of a wild card uh, as far as trying to break down this division because if they can do that all year long, and you know the goaltending comes around, if Allmark stays strong. Uh, that makes them a much more dangerous team, especially, you know, if Eichel gets rolling here, I mean, you can, you can bank on him for points. You know, if Hall starts putting, putting the puck in the net, that's, you know, that's another guy you got to worry about. Uh, they, they seem to have a little bit of mojo going with the, with Olofsson, Stahl and Cousins. Cousins got a couple of goals now. So, uh, they got, you know, this, you know, now that you get past these first these 10 games or so where it's like a, it's almost like this is the, the preseason part of the regular season. You kind of get all that stuff out of your out of your system. You get it together. You start finding some mojo work and uh, they can be dangerous. And I know people are paying attention to Jeff Skinner playing on the fourth line. 
I, I was watching him the other, you know, at, during that game. This dude is busting his tail to create opportunities with with that line. And you know what? He's playing with Lazar and Shahan. Lazar and Shahan are are dogs in the in the defensive end. Like they forecheck like crazy. They get on top of the guys with the puck, and they just create opportunities for Skinner to pick it up and go. Uh, which it, it's a funky way that it works out, but it's working out. So, um, you know, if he pops a couple here. They get rolling, man. They could be they could be a sneaky, dangerous team in this division because because you know the, the games that I have watched of everybody in this group, I haven't had anybody impress me yet. Like game to game, you know, certain games, some teams look look amazing, but you know they'll rattle off a couple more in a row, and you're just like, man, I don't they don't look good at all. You know, and that goes for Buffalo too. But uh, but if Buffalo can get rolling and get things together, they could. And I'm not saying they're going to make noise, they're going to do any of that stuff. But I'm saying they look. They can be a pretty tough team to deal with, and they can, you know, they can take advantage. They can make it, maybe make a run at a playoff spot. Well, I mean, I was mentioning in the opening here tonight, Joe, that this is kind of a crossroads moment for a lot of teams after mm-hmm. eight games here. You know, seven, eight games. You know, depending where you are, as far as the next four or five games go. You know, mm-hmm. because, you know, like the Rangers right now, if they don't put something together, if they don't get a win tonight and they keep going down, they're just going to, mm-hmm. you know, they're in a bad spot where the Sabres can almost really turn things around here and, and, and chip chip away a little bit of getting back into the top uh, and feeling just more than anything, feeling better about themselves, especially after the losses to the Caps. So well, I think that was well, that was that was the thing I noticed from Chris Kreider after the game uh, Tuesday night was that he was he was already at a point, you know, I mean, he's not wearing the C, but he might as well be the way he, the way that he talks. Um, because he, he's talking like, he's talking like he, he's, he's leading a team that is at a point where it's like, Hey, listen, if we don't start getting this together now, we're in deep trouble. And you know what? Three points, there's three, they're already three back of the Islanders in the division. I mean, you're talking about being eight back, eight points back of Washington already. Yeah. Um. It's it's not desperation time yet, but it's it's figure your stuff out time. And you know they you know you, they they were up two to one, and then they you know they kind of punted it a little bit, and you know they lose it you know lose another game. And you know they've lost four in a row. So that's I mean you gotta you gotta kind of nip it in the bud. You cannot be a streaky team this season. You cannot go on these benders where you lose four or five in a row and then say ah whatever we'll win four or five in a row again. You can't bank on that happening. Yeah, and you you know even with all that talent and the rebuild the Rangers are doing and, and, and any of the teams that are kind of trying to turn their franchise around, a losing culture can just be just, you know, devastating, especially to the guys coaching behind the bench um, and, and the culture and everything too, as far as, uh, you know, where the team's going to go in the future and how that talent develops. So, um, you know, it's almost like, you know, the Sabres have this, this opportunity here to kind of, go in the positive direction and the Rangers are on the mm-hmm. verge of going south. So huge game tonight for both teams, you know, uh, playing each other uh, this evening. So Joe, last thing before I let you go, I got to ask you, what was it like being in the arena the other night uh, <laughs> with an empty building? It's weird, man. <laughs> it's unbelievably weird. And I, I it, it's, it's kind of distracting in there that they, they, they pump in some like ambient crowd noise throughout the game. You know, and in Buffalo, you know, they try to mix in some, you know, some let's go Buffalo chants with it and all that, which is good. I thought I was going to hate it completely that they that they did that. And it's a little bit loud in there. I mean, I know you can pick it up on the, on the you know, watching the game on TV. Um, but I tell you what, if they didn't put any sound through there, it would be unbelievably weird. If you were just hearing straight up, 
just the sounds on the ice, just the, you know, just a totally quiet arena. And you're hearing the guys chirping each other, hearing guys yelling, hearing a lot of four letter words being <laughs> screamed at each other and at the referees. It would be really strange. But man, watching watching a game in house with no crowd at all is just odd. And it's I'm not going to go out on a on a, you know, stand up proud and say, like, you know, this isn't the way it's meant to be. But man. It stinks. <laughs> yeah. It stinks that it's like that. It's, you know, so much of hockey is, is how the crowd gets into the game. It's, you know, it, and that goes for any sport. It's, you know, every sport, you know, wrestling, all these things where the crowd is such a big part of what it's about. I mean, you know, I think about, you know, Ranger Sabres games here and, you know, normal times you'd have a ton of the kids coming from over from UB and Buff State that are from from downstate repping the you know repping the rangers swag and they're you know they're getting into it with the fans you know the the sabers fans normally here and that makes it a more fun atmosphere you lose all of that stuff now like as far as like you know home ice advantage or any of that the only advantage you have is just that you know you, you live at home and you don't have to you know you're not you're not quarantined to your hotel on the road and you know you're only eating at the hotel bar or whatever it's that that you know i don't know if that makes home ice more of a, a bigger deal or not but but man, oh man, it, it so much of this of all these sports gets lost because there's nobody in the building, and it's just such a strange thing. I, I'm sure these guys get used to it, but man, it just it's so much of it. You get, I mean, even as a writer, even as a reporter, you get caught up in the mix with, when the crowd's really going. So in losing that, it's just it, it stinks. Yeah, I mean, and, and sports is so emotional, Joe. You know, as far yeah. as you know, the rhythm of games and and um, you know how things can turn and, and just guys' energy and everything else. So. Uh, it's a trip. Well, look, man, it was it was great to see you back up there and, and, and covering the team and, and being in the building and stuff. And uh, so it's nice to see. And hope we uh, we get to see more of that from you this year as the season goes on. So, look, Joe, uh, by the time we get here next week, uh, Sabres will have, you know, tonight's game in, two against the Devils and a game against the Islanders before we preview the, the second uh, game against the Islanders next Thursday. So uh, we'll see where the Sabres are going to be. As always, Joe, thank you so much for uh, for hanging with me on Thursdays, man. Appreciate it. Hey, you got it, Paulie. Anytime. Always look forward to talking to you every week, man. Appreciate that, brother. All right, have a great weekend. Stay safe and healthy. You too, man. Joe Yarden, ladies and gentlemen. Doing some Eastern Division and some Sabres talk, man. Yeah, and I hope everybody's okay up there in Buffalo after that Bills loss, but uh, they're okay. I'm not pushing for it, but I'm telling you, if the Sabres win tonight against my Rangers, it's going to be a uh, sad town here in in New York City. But um, it is what it is, right? Good game. Tons of great games on tonight. Tons and tons of great games on the schedule tonight. You can't beat it. And, uh, you know, this is this is the great thing about it. all the tough stuff that we're talking about. No fans in the building. Uh, you know, schedule changes, all that other stuff. But, um you know, we got hockey to watch, and we got to be grateful for it as, as far as Ranger fans are concerned, you know. So, I mean, that, that's the main thing. Um, and, and you just can't complain about that stuff, you know. You just got to be lucky to, to sit back, hang out, chill, and and watch these teams play. And that's what I'm digging, you know. So, just another couple of notes. Uh, again, don't forget, you can follow us everywhere uh, at that hockey show, and you get everybody's links. Uh, and if you go to the Twitter account, you get all the uh, – the um, Twitter accounts for the guys and all four guys here that are uh, hanging with me on Thursdays are pretty busy on on uh, Twitter. So you can always uh, get their take uh, in between shows and stuff. So uh, the archives are up on, uh, you know, Apple and Spotify, wherever you guys are listening to us. And, uh, again, we appreciate the support. And 
and, uh, you know, spread the word. And uh, we'll keep this thing going here on Thursdays. Again, just a general recap of every week and, um, you know, just going to see where the show goes and, and, and keep rocking and rolling with the season as the season progresses. And we haven't seen a major break as far as COVID's concerned with uh, the NHL outside of, uh, you know, a couple of teams have had to deal with it and a couple of players and stuff. But it's all good so far. And uh, right now what we're going to do is we're going to bring our friend from the Great White North, our buddy Mr. Costa, Habalias, calling in from Montreal. Costa, what's up, buddy? Welcome back. Not much, Paul. It's freezing, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's freezing up here. <laughs> oh, man. That's the uh, unfortunate part of living on the East Coast this time of the year, buddy. But it's uh, hockey oh, weather, yeah, though. No. We'll take it. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I Like, polar vortex, I don't care. I mean, you're the, the worst part, though, around here is with all these stupid restrictions because of COVID, right? People are getting fined for going out to play hockey on an outdoor rink. So, go figure. I'm staying home. What's the That's story? pretty much it. I got to ask you real quick about this. I mean, we've got our restrictions. You know, it's funny you just bringing that up, right? So in, in the county we live in here, Nassau County, uh, down mm-hmm. here on Long Island, you know, obviously with the Islanders play, um, they just announced today they're, they're open on February, sometime in February. I don't, I don't know what the exact date is, but they're actually opening up uh, all, all sports here. They just got the green wow. light because we plateaued. Nice. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's got restrictions in terms of capacity in the buildings, 50 capacity, the arenas and everything, but... Um, you know, a lot of the kids out here have had to, uh, as far as, uh, even in the beginning there, they've had to go up to Connecticut to skate and everything. So it's a huge relief here for, uh, you know, all the soccer, lacrosse and, and hockey and, and even football out here. They're, they're, uh, I don't know if anybody's playing football now, but I wanted to ask you, um, just to give me a quick, how, how strict is it up there by you guys? That's exactly what I said. They actually have put out, uh, bylaws up here where if you're outside skating on a rink, you're okay. You're outside skating with a rink with a stick and a puck. You're getting fined. What? There's there's an eight year old kid and his dad who are out on a rink uh, just in the Ottawa region. It's about forty five minutes from where I live, right? It's not too far from Montreal, right? And and he and his dad got fined. There were the only two people on the rink at six p.m. and they each got fined. An eight year old kid got fined fifteen hundred bucks for playing hockey with his dad. Wow. So three grand out of the dad's pocket just for playing hockey outdoors with his kid. All right now, luckily for them, uh, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, an owner of a junior A hockey team in Brockville by by the name of Dustin Trailin, who uh, was a friend of mine. He caught wind of it, and because you know his team plays in the leagues in the Ottawa area in Eastern Ontario area, he caught wind of it. He paid the fee for the dad and the kid. But it's just to say, two people on a rink. An eight-year-old and an adult, you know, and the adult's probably there just putzing around with his kid. Three grand. And then you wonder why people are going nuts. That's tough, man. And, and everybody, Tell so me about many it. people are out of work. Unbelievable. All right, let's, yep. let's talk about some of the fun stuff here, and that's the uh, National Hockey League. And I got to tell you, man, you know, we're going to get into the Habs here a little bit, but uh, as far as this uh, Canadian division, you know, after the Rangers stinker against the Stabers the other night, I uh, tuned into NHL Network and was able to watch the Sportsnet um, broadcast of the Leafs and the Flames. And I'm telling you, man, number one, it was a totally different game from the Rangers and the Sabres as far as excitement back and forth, end-to-end, 
Uh, I just loved it. It was just a, a great game back and forth. Obviously, you, the Habs have been two wild games against the Canucks here these last two. But I got to tell you, man, from what I've seen from the game and, and then the storylines coming out of Canada in terms of the games, the competition, the scoring, and the highlights and everything, it seems like they're having a little more fun up there in Canada than they are necessarily in the, in the lower uh, part of the, the United States here. There's a lot of pace, and you're right. I've watched a couple of the games from 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 you know the the Eastern Division and whatnot, and and the pace just isn't the same, right? I think uh, we were talking last show about how you know that ten first ten game stretch is going to be key, right? And I think a lot of what's happening is the Canadian teams kind of know each other a little bit better, right? They you know right, the, the guys practice together, you know they 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 see each other, they talk, and you know, they hit the ice together, and so on and so forth in the off season. So, you know, they get to talking and, and, and these guys are ready to go. Like they're chomping at the bit. Well, all of these guys, when you look at teams like Vancouver, they, most of their guys, I mean, other than Elias Peterson, they've got three, four years under their belt. You know, you look at the Habs, they've got a mix of vets and young kids. You know, they've got, you know, you look at the, the Leafs, all these Canadian teams, with the exception of the Ottawa Senators, I think, have that that mix of vet and, and youth that really brings forward like that, that co- competition because the vets push the young kids, you know, that better, but just as much as I do, when you look at a team like, for example, the Ottawa senators or the Rangers or the Sabres for that matter, there's a lot of youth there. I mean, they're, they, 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 they've taken the time to switch around their rosters and they're trying to rebuild. And they're as part of that rebuild, they've got to kind of instill the way the identity of the team has to be. And if there's no energy there to start with, don't get fooled. The energy is going to come. It's just it's going to take time because the coaching staff will start first on teaching the guys the systems they want them to play, and then the pace comes with that. So, you know, if you're looking at the Rangers, you're looking at the Sabres, you know, the Devils to a certain extent, you know, all these teams that decided to go towards that youth movement, you're going to have that, that variation in, in the pace. But it'll come. It just takes time. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely waiting for it down here in New York. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Oh, I know, man. but you know, you know what? I like watching the Rangers play, man. I I, I find it interesting. You do? I love it's the way they frustrating. play. I, <laughs> I know it's frustrating for you guys, but you know, when I, when I look at a guy like Mika Zibanejad, for example, brings all that energy on the ice, right? And, and that's going to filter to everybody else on that roster. So like I said, it's just going to take time. Just give he's it that time. It'll his, come. He's got to work on his shooting and his face-offs right now, buddy. But I know, yeah, it, it, look, it goes back into what we were talking about before. It's early in the season. Unfortunately, certain teams at a crossroads, especially going into this huge slate tonight, you know, these next four or five games are just, they're so crucial to a team like the Rangers because if they keep nosediving, they're going to be in trouble, and then there's a culture of losing that's going to create down, down there with a young team, and we'll see what happens. On the other side of it, you have teams now that can kind of kind of push. Like like the Leafs, are, they seem to be just kind of flying right now. I think the Habs-Flames game tonight is just phenomenal because the Flames played well against the Leafs the other night, and I, the Habs are obviously uh, an exciting team to watch right now and playing very well. Um, and then, you know, with the rest of the, 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 the division right now, a couple of things are happening. Vancouver's there. I want to talk real quick about, um, you know, Line A and Dubois switching teams and not so much Columbus, but let's focus on what Dubois can bring to the Jets. Well, I don't know what the Jets were thinking, man. I'd, like, I went out to Twitter right away and I was like, okay, the Jets trade a forward and get back another forward. The Jets need defense. You look at their, their their roster. I mean, they've got guys like Blake Wheeler, you know, vets that are there that can support the offense. They need help on the back end. Their goaltending, Hellebuck's having a horrible time so far this season, and it's showing in the standings. That team needs to replace, uh, you know, the minutes that a guy like Dustin Bufflin, who 
just decided to, I'm not playing anymore. See ya. You know, they got to replace those minutes with somebody that can give them quality minutes. doesn't matter who it is. As long as the guy can play defense for 20 to 25 minutes a game and bring a little bit of offense while supporting the defense, they're going to be fine. But they haven't even addressed that. They decided, okay, I'm going to trade Lightning, who by far was the hottest commodity on that roster, for another guy who's coming over from Columbus and was disgruntled. So he's going from a coach like Torts to a coach like Paul Maurice. Between you and me, there's not a big change there. Torts is a little bit more publicly a little bit of an a-hole, whereas Maurice does it behind closed doors. <laughs> so I, I don't know what this thinking was. I mean, I, I know I, Shevel Day off and, 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 you know, what? Uh, uh, they needed to do something with these guys because they were so disgruntled. But I think that's what it at was. At the end of the day, you're swapping one problem for another problem. Exactly, yeah. And it's not going to solve anything for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You know, I mean, that's basically probably pretty much what it was. I mean, because obviously, you know, as far as needs for the team and everything else, um, I think it was just a get rid of this headache kind of trade for both teams, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and it's not like Winnipeg is, is desperate for depth up the middle with Shifley and Wheeler. So you're picking up Dubois. Where's he going to play on your third line? That's what I didn't get. It's like, what are you thinking? Yeah, that's nuts. All right, well, tell me what they're thinking up in Montreal, okay? Uh, 4 and 2 here at the start after 6. You got the Flames coming tonight like we were talking about. Uh, back-to-back wins versus the Canucks, which was just uh, an insane pair of games. Uh, you guys had 12 goals, uh, four, you know, five against. Uh, Price and Allen have been splitting the games here. I want to get into that a little bit in terms of how uh, uh, Coach Julian is, is playing that. Get your, your feedback. Uh, as far as the team, Toffoli's got five goals there, eight points leading the team. Uh, Petri and June with five assists, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, upfront scoring. But the big thing I wanted to talk to you about, which I couldn't believe, was 29 goals for. And the, the, the goal scoring has been spread out amongst the whole team down the roster, which to me is just incredibly impressive. Take, uh, give me a take well, on that. It's something this team has needed for so long because for so many years it's been a one-trick pony. It's been, you know, uh, one year it's Danol's line. The next year it's Domi's line. It's never been consistency throughout four lines and now the fourth line may not be scoring as much as you might want but they are contributing but the top three lines you look at them and there's not a single weak point from an offensive perspective they're distributing the puck they're sharing the puck and nobody's afraid to shoot the puck and that's the key element right over the years you've had guys that have been you know the offensively talented even jonathan drouin shooting the puck which freaks me right out because <laughs> there's a guy who i wanted to beat with a stick because he wouldn't shoot but now even he's firing the puck because he sees like, wait a minute, I'm distributing, I'm getting it back, I got an opening, I'm going to go. And he's doing it. So he's collecting points, you know. All these guys are realizing that, hey, we've got talent up front. And, it, you know, you're not talking about guys that are going to score you, you know, 70 or 80 points a season. But if you got nine guys that are hovering around the 50, 60 point mark, dude, that's a lot of points and a lot of goals for your team. And so if that continues throughout the lineup, and given the strength on D that this team has, as well as the offensive output they're getting from the defense, I sky's the limit for Montreal right now. I'd hate to like start saying, you know what, they're Stanley Cup contenders. But, Paul, they're Stanley Cup contenders as it stands right now. That's a pretty bold statement for you this early in the season, but I, I like it. I like and you, the, uh, and you the know positivity. Me. Yes. That's, I, that's... You know me. For years, I've been negative about this team. The power <laughs> play stinks. The defense is poor. You're overplaying price. I got nothing. <laughs> but positive so, right now. So it's pretty cool. So they're kind of carrying this over after they're, you know, playing pretty well in the in the in the summer tournament, obviously, for the cup. 
Um, and, you know, they're spreading things around offensively. Let's talk about, you know, the goaltending here in, 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 the, in the split. Do you like this? I mean, I'm not really – I'm not on top of it as far as why. You know, Price has been the number one guy there forever. But um, how, how do you like the back and forth so far? I love it. And Jake Allen's somebody that I'm familiar with because way back when he was playing junior hockey in Montreal, I was actually out there covering the team. So, you know, I know Jake Allen's body of work really, really well. And, you know, the thing about Jake is he's a little bit inconsistent when you're overplaying. And that was apparent in junior. It was apparent with the Blues. I mean, all the way down the line. If you spot play him here and there and you give him a back-to-back or you give him the odd start, he's going to flourish. And the thing I've noticed already in Jake Allen is that you're starting to see Stefan Waits, uh, you know, hands getting dirty with him because Jake Allen's biggest mistake as a goaltender was he would go down too early. And in the two games that he's played so far with Montreal, you've seen a concerted effort to remain on his feet a little bit more, a lot like Carey Price does. You know, Carey's not your traditional butterfly goaltender. He's more of a hybrid where he stands up a lot until he has to drop. And that effectively is what Jake Allen is starting to do. That's great, man. And I'm loving it. If they get that type of goaltending from Jake Allen, and, you know, Price stays consistent the way he does, I'm telling you. Good. It's and gonna defensively, be tough. Yeah, and defensively, as far as the guys in front of uh, Allen and Price, uh, led by Shea Weber and, and the crew, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit this on you. As far as um, their shots against and how these guys have been playing defensively, obviously in two wild games against Canucks, uh, you know, what you guys had going forward offensively, matched against what you guys did defensively. Talk about how they're, they're playing uh, as, a, as a group there uh, in the back 4-6. The biggest thing, we were talking about the offense up front, the ability of the defense to be able to distribute the puck quickly up to the forwards has been the biggest difference with the defense. You look at guys like Romanoff, who effectively plays hockey just like Andre Markov. You know, Brett Kulak has been a huge surprise for Montreal. And then you've got all the vets on defense as well. You know, you got Petrie, you got Sherratt, you got Weber. I mean, everybody's playing well. And, you know, that might not last, you know, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be all kinds of things, but man, oh man, if this stays the way it does and they play the same system throughout the season, I'm so excited to game 50, 56 and beyond, man, I'm telling you. That's great, man. Great vibe. So look, real quick, before I let you go, as far as tonight's concerned, watching uh, Johnny Hockey Goudreau there uh, on Tuesday night against the Leafs and obviously Monaghan, um, if, if the Habs can pretty much shut those guys down, um, is there anything else that the Flames can throw at the Habs tonight? No, they can't. I mean, they don't have enough uh, strength on defense to, to accentuate the offense, right? You got a guy like Giordano on the back end, but, you know, Tanev's not going to bring that to you, you know. Uh, and, and the thing is, the, the one variant there is that they're going to get, Montreal's going to get good goaltending from Carey Price, but Jacob Markstrom, who's a solid goaltender, the more he gets peppered, the worse he plays. So it's going to be interesting to see what that dynamic brings tonight with Montreal and, and, and Calgary. Absolutely, man. It's going to be some good stuff. So, look, by the time we get back together here next week, we'll have this game in the book tonight and a second game against Calgary. And I can only imagine, man, those two coming up again against Vancouver, back-to-back nights, the emotions, man. they got to be ratcheting up a little bit. So that should be fun next week too, buddy, talking about that. Adjustments, buddy, adjustments. That's what we're going to be looking at against Vancouver. Who adjusts more? That's going to be fun, man. Hey, buddy, thanks so much for doing this. Stay warm up there. All right, I will. stay safe, and we'll catch you next week, buddy. Take care. You got it. See ya. Costa Papalias, ladies and gentlemen, as always on Thursdays with us, 1230. Talking some uh, Canadian Division hockey.
and the Montreal Canadian. Habs no fear, as uh, I always say, online there and stuff. So uh, it's all good stuff. So, I mean, look, if you can, I mean, you have such a menu besides your own team, which I'm sure is playing tonight, uh, such a menu to check into and, and, and hang out and watch. But, man, try and uh, switch into that Calgary-Montreal game tonight. And the Habs are playing really well. They've, they've got something um, uh, that's pretty good. And, and more than anything, too, they have just a super coach – uh, behind the bench there in Claude Julian. And he's been there before. Uh, and the Habs have stuck with him as an organization, too, to the uh, the ups and downs of his tenure there. So, um, you know, if he gets those guys on the mark and playing well, um, they could be good. I mean, you look you don't, you don't want to look too far, but these, these four games coming up against the Flames and the Canucks, man, they could really – they could if they show up big, and again, you know, everybody's scoring. How do you coach against the Habs right now? 29 goals spread throughout uh, the whole team. You know, Toffoli, like I said, is at the top with five goals, but the rest of it down the roster, everybody's scoring. And that's huge right now. And the, and the Habs can really take a leap. And they could probably, like I said, what Costa was saying before, you know, you shut down, uh, you know, Goudreau and Monaghan uh, for the Flames, though they, they did buzz really well the other night against uh, the Leafs. Uh, but, again, it's about finishing. Uh, but ultimately, the guys putting in the pucks, uh, those top couple of guys. So, um, you know, we'll see. But just so much to kind of to follow right now. And, again, I think this is – and I'll repeat it with the other guys coming up here, Tab and Steve, too. It's a crossroads weekend coming up with these next four games, uh, getting teams up into the, uh, you know, 12- and 13-game uh, plateau. And teams on the bottom, man, they really got a bump and grind here. And that's going to make it a little tougher for the teams at the top. So – you know, you've got almost like pre-playoff type hockey going on right now because it's a shortened season, because of the unknown of uh, injuries. You know, Heedle goes down for the Rangers four to six weeks, you know. And any players going down right now, is that's huge. Four to six weeks in a 56-game season? And if you don't have that backup or that, um, you know, extra extra guys that you can count on down the lineup, you know, you got taxi squads, you don't have the AHL uh, situation that you would usually have too, so all these different kind of things that have to factor into a season right now, and, and it really forces other guys on the team that are getting that opportunity to get in there and make the most of their playing time. And this is going to be huge, you know. Guys who might have been behind a, a guy that goes down, you know, um, this is your chance. You're going to get the ice time, and you're going to play. And a lot of these guys right now too, especially down the bottom, man. It's going to be even though it's a short season, it'll be a long long season if you just keep dropping down on the standings here and other teams start pulling away and then you pretty much know man 20 games 20 games in you're done maybe probably you know what I'm saying and you don't have the uh the luxury of going out of division I mean every point every game is just huge this year because it's all divisional play and that's something that's uh unique to to what's going on here as well and um it's just going to be interesting to see how this kind of plays out you know, over these next, definitely these next four to five games. And then beyond that, it just keeps rolling. And you're going to start seeing teams pull away. And it's different from a, a normal regular season that uh, that goes on here. So, but anyway, we'll continue to talk about it as it goes on. But right now, it's time to bring our good friend, Mr. Tab Bamford, from the Midwest. And we're going to talk some Chicago Blackhawks and obviously the Central Division. Tab, how's it going, man? No, it is a chilly day in Chicago, literally and figuratively. 
but you know what? At least, uh, unlike the Blackhawks roster, I am staying healthy. So God bless that. At least we got that going for us. And again, you know, unfortunately, you guys can't see it. Uh, uh, Tab is surrounded by smoke. He's got his uh, his favorite cigar going here, and I love that. Doing a little cigar session here uh, Thursday. That hockey show. Good stuff. So uh, how's your week, man? How's everything going? Hey, before we get into the hockey talk real quick, because I know you're a baseball guy too, if you could just give me give me your a quick take on I know it's it's hard to say a quick take, but uh, obviously Hank Aaron passing this week. Um, just a, I love a little take on 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 him as a, a Hall of Famer and, and losing him. Well, uh, in a in previous life, uh, I had the privilege of working very closely with the folks in Cooperstown at the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and everything that you have heard about the reverence with which the other greats, icons of the game, um, the, there are. There are legends in sports, and there are certainly tears within those legends fall. And uh, in hockey, I think, you know, Gordy Howe, Wayne Gretzky, uh, Mario Lemieux, Bobby Orr, these are guys who are, will for as long as they are with us, be revered as unquestionably, if not the greatest to have ever played. Um, certainly on that Mount Rushmore. And Hank Aaron was someone that every single other Hall of Famer uh, revered, um, respected. Um, You know, everyone's talked at length about the numbers that he put up, and his record will stand forever without an asterisk anywhere near it. But what he was as a man, the ambassador that he was for the game, the passion with which he stayed engaged with the game, worked with future generations. When you hear about free agents that say one of the big drawing points in going to the Braves was getting to meet Hank Aaron, the fact that even into his 80s he was accessible for young guys, uh, and he set a bar in that way, and he was a he, he was a pioneer, but he brought that perspective and experience to generations all the way to the present day Atlanta Braves and beyond. And so um, I'll be honest, uh, I shed a few tears when I found out that that he had passed because um, the legacy that he left on the field, off the field, as someone who stood for so much more than just hitting a baseball four or 500 feet, um, those are rare commodities. Um, and the era in which he played, it was completely different than where we're at today. And so um, he's obviously in a better place. Um, and I, I pray that those who are close to him uh, can find some peace in the fact that he's moved on. But it, it leaves a huge void in baseball. Uh, and I think in, in sports at large, when you see folks like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar speaking about their relationship, you know that this was a man that was so much bigger than just his home run records uh, and so much bigger than just a baseball player. So... Um, enormous loss for sports um, and just the country at large. But uh, but he was someone that certainly left uh, an impact well beyond the stat sheet. Absolutely, man. Well said, man. Great stuff. And, I, you know, talking about Hank and even bleeding into the today's sports world, whether it's uh, MLB, um, basketball, and now hockey with some of the current players and I want to kind of allude to this with regards to the guys that we grew up with playing or the legends you know the Hall of Famers and everything you see uh the Dubois and Patrick Lane trade here 
two guys just not happy where they're playing. Um, you know, it's kind of tough now. You know, a lot of guys just there's no real loyalty. There's no dedication. It seems to be not not all of them. But I just want to get your little take here on that trade and 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 in respect to you know though that a guy like Hank Aaron, these guys who played just above above it all and meant so much more to the game. Are there still players like that? And and let's stick in the NHL right now who can do that. Maybe Sid Crosby's a good example in terms of how he carries himself, but. Maybe talk about this trade a little bit and just the culture of players today in, in, in sports leagues and especially hockey. Well, yeah, I mean, I think certainly when you look at just today, the big news in the sports world is Deshaun Watson formally asking out of Houston in the NFL. You know, one of the elite quarterbacks in the league wants out, and he just signed a, a significant extension, you know, not too long ago. Um the game, professional sports have changed. Um, and I think a major portion of that can be tied back to, and credit should be given to Michael Jordan for that. Not only because of his greatness, but because what makes Michael Jordan unique in the overall timeline of professional sports is he came in at the time that cable television was effectively beginning. And a lot of what ESPN has certainly built and other national sports uh, highlight driven entities uh, is around um, superstars and um, eyeballs went to ESPN early on because people in every corner of this country wanted to see what Michael Jordan or Magic or Larry or Dominique were doing and you didn't have that readily available before that. And so with that proliferation of media coverage also came leagues rightfully asking for significant dollars in rights, and that led to big money flowing. And I think the NCAA, without jumping into a you know, 40-minute monologue on how sports is going to go down the tubes here, but the NCAA is going to run into a pretty serious issue here with the way that rights are being negotiated um, and how much money is being uh, passed through universities and athletic departments. Totally side issue. Getting back to the, the line of Dubois trade, you know, in hockey, the cliche is, well, if Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anybody can. The, the concern, I think, on the macro is that this is a young player in Patrick Line who was brought into Winnipeg to be the face of the franchise, number two overall pick. And the reason that the Jets failed the first time around was because players didn't want to go to Winnipeg. And now you have a young player who could emerge as an elite superstar in the National Hockey League just based on talent, uh, who is saying, I'm not here for Winnipeg. And clearly, you know, there have been concerns about whether, you know, the commitment level of other folks who have been up there, whether it be Dustin Bufflin or others, and and you those whispers start to creep up again about Winnipeg as a viable market. Pierre Luc Dubois, you know, you know whether or not it was a Torts thing or a Columbus thing, you know, this is a kid that some people at the time, many people at the time, felt Columbus reached on at number three, who looked like he was starting to come into his own and become, you know, a guy who was worthy of being a number three overall pick, and and he asked out. So at the end of the day, I think. There are young players who are looking at the best opportunity to make big money, whether it be on the ice or in endorsements. I think certainly, you know, when you look at Artemi Panarin bailing on Columbus, he signed with the Blackhawks to be in a big market. 
And obviously the Rangers are, you know, an alpha when it comes to dollar potential in the National Hockey League. So guys are, guys are rightfully going to chase money because they want to get paid. But I think it, there's also something to be said for the Crosbys and Taves and Kopitars of the world that want to wear one sweater for their entire career and want to commit to, uh, you know, the old saying of, you know, the logo on the front's more important than the name on the back. There's, it's a rare breed to see that today. Um, you know, Patrick Kane, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Malkin, these are guys who only want to play in one place. And I think that your respect level is only going to grow for those guys, but it's also going to become increasingly hard for those guys to stay put their entire career because especially coming out of the pandemic, you're going to have big tier franchises that don't have the money to throw around that they used to maybe not be able to afford those $10 million contracts that they signed guys to with an expansion draft coming up. That's going to add another opportunity for guys to go find a home to play. So, um, you know, on the surface, I think the the Line A Dubois trade was two teams that had comparable budding star players that wanted out, and they were able to make the best of it and basically flip one for the other. I think obviously centers are a little bit more valuable. I think Line A probably, from a pure physical perspective, maybe has a higher ceiling, but injuries and and want to play a big role in that. So. We'll see how it ultimately plays out, and that's a really loaded answer to a, a pretty basic question. Um, <laughs> no, it's, but, it's... Uh, but, yeah, there's a lot that goes into young players that want out after a short amount of time, and I think that it certainly opens more questions about, you know, markets, viability, if you really want to dig deep. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's amazing how the landscape uh, continues to change, and COVID's a different deal. And, yeah, I mean – you know, these are other, you know, you'd need more time. You know, even just the, the, the way baseball is just throwing money out for these recent free agents and, you know, with the un, where are they getting the money from down the road? You know, if, if things don't turn around, they can't get people back in the stands. But we'll see. All right, so look, let's look at this Central Hockey Division here uh, in the NHL. Obviously, uh, Nashville up top, CBJ, and then the Hawks. Unbelievable. You're in the playoff spot there, buddy. Now, obviously, Dallas, Florida, and the Canes have only played three games here. So we're very early here, eight games here going into it. But um, as far as, um, you know, it's it's probably still too early for us to have to really kind of get a grasp on this division so far. But if you got something you want to chime in, something you've seen this week that you want to tell me about, hit me, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, when you look at, this division, I think a lot of people pointed at it as, and we talked about this in the first show, being pretty soft. And, you know, Nashville was able to muster four goals in two overtime, one shootout, one overtime win against the Blackhawks on 81 shots against a couple goaltenders that I don't think a lot of people were looking at as player of the night nominees and Malcolm Subban and, and Kevin Lincoln and 81 shots against four goal scored is a pretty impressive ledger for Chicago's two young goaltenders. Um, so I think Nashville, certainly if they've only scored 17 goals in seven games, that's, that's not going to get it done long-term. And right now, again, just based on games played, they're sitting on top of the division. And then Columbus, who have two wins in seven games, uh, sits in second place. Again, lots of games that still need to be made up. Half of the division has been affected by COVID. Chicago hasn't been forced to to pause yet, but they've now got three players on the COVID list. So it, it, I think you're going to see some teams in a division like this where it's wide open, and when you know that four out of the eight are going to make it into the playoffs, 
scratching out points is going to become critical. And the Blackhawks have been able to scratch out overtime losses for their their last three losses and won a couple against a dumpster fire from Detroit in the middle there. So um, any way that you can get a point in the standings is going to become critical in a division like this because that it looks like third and even fourth certainly playoff spots could very much be fair game uh, when we get into the later stages of the season. Which I guess, you know, is promising for the Hawks if they can just kind of stay in it here, you know, um, get your take on the team and, and, you know, what you're saying in terms of having playing. And and let's start with the goaltending there that you, you know, you brought up about um, as far as those guys splitting up the time there a little bit. Um, what's your take in, in terms of the how these guys are managing it? I mean, again, seeing a lot of rubber, um, young guys, as you say. But um, anything that, that stands out in terms of, um, you know, or what you're seeing in post. I mean, uh, I know the kid had a post-game uh, conference after the game last night, uh, you know, getting 43 shots. But your take on these kids and nets for the Hawks right now? Well, again, you know, when, you, when you've only played, you know, a finite number of games, it, it, you don't have a huge sample size. But what we have to work with, um, you know, I think Colin Delia – is kind of stuck in a hard spot right here because Subban's got more NHL experience, um, certainly more highly touted prospect. He was a first-round pick of Boston years ago. Um, and he certainly played well enough to, to get another look at it uh, on Tuesday night in Nashville. But really, Lankinen's the guy who's really grabbed the reins here. Um, Lankinen has been uh, by far to my estimation, and I think the numbers bear it out, the best goaltender that they've got. He's got about a 90-931 save percentage right now. Um, he's faced Tampa. He's faced Nashville. Uh, you know, this is a guy who, who's really uh, done a good job. Uh, initially, I think that, that, that first run that he got, I'm sorry, in Florida, um, you know, looked tentative, stayed back in the crease a little bit more than he probably would have liked. Uh, but then started to get more comfortable and, and it's shown now. I mean, but the problem is when you've got, you know, four games on your resume and you faced 130 shots on net, that's not a number that's sustainable. Uh, and so the Blackhawks need to clean it up in front of any of these three guys uh, if they want those kids to be able to build any confidence whatsoever. Uh, but certainly I think Lankinen's performances against Detroit and certainly last night uh, should give the franchise some confidence something that he does not lack uh but give the franchise some confidence that he might be the guy that runs with it this year but i do think all three of them are going to get play throughout the season just to see what they've got going in the next year when you know they'll have a number of these assets specifically kirby doc alex nylander and hopefully jonathan tabes back on the ice yeah absolutely and as far as the the the, the core up uh uh, front, um, you know, protecting these guys. Duncan Keith, obviously, still logging a lot of ton of ice team and stuff. Ice time, I should say. Um, what are the other variants there of this defensive squad there that's just, that's causing the struggles in terms of giving up so many shots? Well, I think a lot of it is again, we you know, we've talked about this developing and, and building chemistry and figuring out which guys you can use in what situations. And unfortunately for the Blackhawks right now, I think that they kind of become really comfortable with having their six guys there. I think that they'd started to use Adam Boquist in his second NHL season specifically in some certain ways, especially as a quarterback on the power play unit. Um, Duncan Keith uh, certainly playing well. Connor Murphy, uh, you know, really kind of elevating his game over the past year or so with, with the Blackhawks. And Ian Mitchell 
Again, I, I, I've been impressed with him. Jeremy Calton refuses to give him a lot of ice time. He finally got a little special teams action last night. But the, again, you're looking at now, Boquist is going to be out at least two weeks on the COVID protocol list. And so now you're throwing it back in a blender. And you got Nicholas Bodin making his debut last night. Lucas Carlson getting some more run. I, I've liked his game. Um, he's more of a stay-at-home type. Bodin's more of a skating type, like a Boquist. Um, but last night they were rolling seven defensemen because they had yet another forward uh, get put on the COVID list. So now you've got three skaters that are out, which just makes it even harder in a young season with minimal training camp time and no preseason games to build chemistry. So uh, this is something that's going to run its course through the league, but in a young team that's trying to figure stuff out, having guys taken out of the lineup, whether it be by injury or COVID just makes it that much harder. And and it's going to make the job for Jeremy Calton that much tougher as we've talked about, you know, helping these kids develop and finding the best positions to put them in to succeed becomes harder when guys are, are taken out of the lineup for one reason or another that's beyond his choice. Yeah, and I guess obviously, uh, you know, up front too, you, you know, you got to score goals. Uh, Kane obviously leading the team here with seven points, uh, three goals, four assists, and Yamark and Suter also have the same thing. Uh, the Brinkat with six points. Um, uh, you know, you, you see a team like the Canadians who are spreading out their offense and, uh, you know, in a wild way, 29 goals amongst the whole roster here. And, uh, you know, and you get teams like Chicago and even teams like the Rangers too. A lot of talent you see uh, mixed in there, but, you know, not getting the scoring, uh, which obviously is, um, you know, going to be essential here for any team's success. But uh, what, what real quick uh, can they do up front? I mean, outside of what we've been talking about, You're, this is a young team developing. Uh, all the different aspects that you're talking about. Is there anything that, uh, you know, Kane can can push to forward to the rest of these guys, obviously, while Taze is still out as well? Well, I tweeted somewhat in jest that Patrick Kane's the most expensive babysitter in the National Hockey League <laughs> a couple nights ago when you looked at the lines. I mean, look, you see comments on social media about, you know, Pia Suter's come in. I think he's done a really nice job. But, you know, you see stuff on, on Twitter and, and Facebook saying no team, no legitimate team has a number one center that's 5'9 and 180 pounds. And my response to that is when the Blackhawks signed Pia Suter, the vision was that he was not your number one center. Uh, the thought was, you know, look, this kid comes in with a similar profile to Dominic Kubelik last year. MVP of the Swiss League, led the Swiss League in scoring. You thought that you were going to get an asset that had some versatility that you'd probably slot in on a wing. And he that affects the entire offensive scheme. Then you've got, you know, Kane and Debrinkit and Kubelik and Suter and Strom skating on different lines. And you've you've got down the middle, you've got pretty good depth with Taves and then Doc and then Strom and then whether it be Camp, I'm not sure if Soderberg bluntly is even here if Doc and Taves are are able to skate. Uh, but you the whole dynamic has changed because when you take your top two centers out of the lineup, certainly Doc for the season, Taves is still kind of a TBD, but when you take those two guys out of the lineup, everything changes. And so right now, Patrick Kane, you know, he, a lot of people talked about bad defensive misplay uh, in overtime for the first loss in Nashville. And then last night, the kids checking in with 27 minutes, trying to carry the entire offense. He had zero shots on goal in Nashville in the first game. You're like, well, what the hell is he doing? Well, when you look at this team and you take Debrinket out of the lineup because of COVID and Kubalik is struggling and 
you look at the rest of what you've just listed, the Ryan Carpenters and Lucas Walmarks and Matthias Yanmarks of the world, there's no one on the and, and even Kubalik, who who I think certainly with 30 goals last year should have earned some respect, but you know, Carlton's still messing with his ice time and putting him in different situations. The only guy on this team that you have to key on right now is Patrick Kane. And he's going to get the absolute best of every other team because they know with the brink it out and Kubalik fighting it, that the only guy that's going to have a game-changing moment on this roster is Patrick Kane. And so he is going to get his tail handed to him on a nightly basis until somebody else steps up. And who that other person is that steps up is the huge, overwhelming question mark right now in Chicago uh, because you've got a lot of, I think, bottom six-type players or profiles, uh, and then you've got some nice players like Suter, Kubalik, that are trying to work their way in, but... Again, you know, when you take two guys out of the lineup in Taves and Doc, it changes the entire roster. And, and you cannot replace what those two meant on paper to what this team was hoping to be this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Tab, so before I let you go with these last, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a crossroads. Uh, that's my theme here today at this point of the season here with the amount of games they've been playing. It's kind of like a crossroads for a lot of teams here these next four or five games where you can kind of kind of nosedive and, the rest of the division here is going to kind of take off and one way or the other. So make a break. What, I mean, with everything that you discussed here today, what can you basically be hopeful for over these next four games here, uh, two against Columbus and then two against Carolina by the time me and you get back to talking uh, next week? Well, you know, I, I, well, first, you know, not sure if Lenny is going to be healthy enough to dress for Columbus. So you're going to be playing a team that's going to be a little bit shorthanded there. Um and Carolina, you know, coming off of a layoff because of COVID, you know, we we're, we don't know what they're going to look like, how much rust they're going to have, what what we're going to have on our hands from a Carolina perspective. I think the big thing, if you're looking at the Chicago Blackhawks again, who's healthy, who gets on the ice, how they're utilized by Jerry Carlton, and once they get on the ice, what they do with it. And you're just going to look for teams to continue to take those next steps. But I do think now that we're getting into that like 10 to 12 games played range around the National Hockey League, in a shortened 56-game season, the trade winds are going to start blowing. Uh, you're getting to that 20% of a season benchmark where, and certainly, you know, it's later in the year. Usually the trade winds start blowing in February anyway because of the trade deadline. Obviously, everything has changed this year from a calendar perspective, but I think you're going to start seeing teams making decisions about their immediate future, whether they want to push their chips into the middle of the table or or back off sooner than later because there's a, a lot that can be had quickly if you move quickly. But you're also going to see teams positioning themselves with the expansion draft coming in mind. And, you know, just before we went on, on the air together here, the Blackhawks announced that they'd signed uh, Madison Bowie, a, a 25-year-old defenseman who was in Detroit last year, to a two-year deal, two-way this year. He needs one game played this year to become expansion draft eligible. And I think you're going to start to see some of these teams that are either in a rebuild or in that middle of the pack start to make some moves. And people will say, well, what the hell do the Blackhawks need a seventh right-handed shot for the AHL for? Well, it's because they, they have to position themselves and be mindful of what, what Seattle can take uh, and what they legally need to have available for Seattle. So I think you're going to start to see some player movement. I think that the first blockbuster happening as early as it did was a little unique because of the situation with those two players. 
but you're going to start to see some player movement sooner than later because you're starting to get to that 20% mark. But in a short season, again, with no training camp, the longer time you have to develop that chemistry with whatever assets you bring back is going to be critical. So I'd start keeping an eye on on the rumor mill and start watching which players are, are starting to get whispered about in those trade rumors because certainly I think teams are going to start looking uh, those that have intentions of making a deep run are going to start looking to make those moves sooner than later and not waiting for the deadline to pull the trigger on things. Well, lots of interesting stuff coming up, no doubt about it. All great points, Tab. Good stuff. And uh, I know the Hawks are off tonight. A little breather with tons of hockey on the schedule for the Ducker tonight, but um, they got their work cut out for them, no doubt about it. So uh, we'll follow up next week, and hopefully they're still hanging in the mix there with these top couple of teams. Tab, thanks for your extra time and uh, your thoughts on Hank and the baseball stuff. and. And, uh, you know, just hanging with me for the extra time here today. really appreciate it. Of course. We'll look forward to it again next week. All right, buddy. Have a great, safe weekend. Take care. Thanks. You too. Tab Bamford, ladies and gentlemen. Hanging out. Doing some Central Division and some Chicago Blackhawks hockey with us today. We'll move on. A couple minutes here, we'll have our good friend Stevie Palumbo coming in. And we will talk some West Coast hockey. Once again, you're listening to That Hockey Show. Every Thursday, we're here, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're taping the shows, obviously, right now, and uh, pretty soon we'll be getting back to uh, uh, the, the live shows. I've got a couple of uh, technical things that I want to um, square away, but um, you know, we'll get that all squared away here in the future and stuff. But in the meantime, uh, again, thanks so much for uh, following us here uh, at THS and, and hanging with me and the guys. So uh, lots of stuff here, you know, as far as the Hawks are concerned, they're talking with Tab. Um, you know, where they're going to go. I mean, you know, they're, they're a wounded team. They're a, a team that's missing, uh, you know, their captain and a couple of young goaltenders. And it's, uh, you know, they, they, maybe what they do have a chance there, what Tab is saying is the fact that, um, you know, the other teams, uh, they, can, um, they can hang in there while the other teams are kind of having their problems as well. But that's all to be seen. So we'll see what happens there uh, coming down the road. All right, it's time to head out west, hang out with our buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo. Talk some uh, West Division. Do a little Devil's Talk as well. Steve-O, what's going on? Welcome aboard. Welcome back. How you doing? I'm fantastic, Polly. How you doing, bud? Doing good. A little cold. I know you guys got a, a little snow out there that's, uh, this past week. What, that's all, what's that all about? Yeah, we had this, uh, they called it a, an Arctic blast and came down and temperatures got cold enough where we saw some of that uh, white stuff on the ground. And uh, I even got to play in a little bit of it. It felt like a kid again. It was, was kind of nice. <laughs> but that's not something you guys out west want too much of that, right? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Everyone goes crazy when it rains. Uh, imagine what happens. Uh, that gets ramped up a hundredfold when uh, it turns into frozen, falling ice. So, <laughs> do you, do you miss the uh, the East Coast winters here in New Jersey? Uh, uh, you know, since you've been out west. I mean, I'm sure you miss hometown a little bit, but uh, do you miss the cold? I do now and again. I mean, we you know we being in Southern California, we're you know we could go to the beach in the morning and then go up to the mountains and see the snow in the afternoon. I think I've kind of gotten more used to that if i had to drive in the snow or deal with the shoveling and the plows and salt and all that kind of stuff uh, probably get on my nerves so uh but you know, now and again especially around the holidays you, you you long for those uh you know those cold winter nights all right well you got a little taste of it last week and uh 
Yeah. <laughs> wait for it. It's cold here, buddy. We can't wait for the spring to come. I'll tell you that much. Um, all right, man. So let's bop around here a little bit. As far as the, uh, you know, we'll definitely do some devils here uh, before we wrap things up a little later in this segment. But as far as the, um, you know, just some general hockey news, too. I want to get your take uh, real quick uh, because, like I said, you're familiar with the um, the Metro Division here and the Devils and stuff. But uh, Rutherford obviously um, stepping down in Pittsburgh. And then uh, just a quick take on the the trade of the two unhappy guys, Dubois and um, and Line. They're uh, Columbus and and, and – uh, Oh my God, I'm 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 going blank, Steve. What's what's my problem? Winnipeg. Sorry. Oh my God, I'm getting old, Steve. That's the problem. But uh, <laughs> I've been asking all the guys today their take on the trade. So uh, that and and Rutherford. Shoot, brother. Uh, I think it's a huge win for Columbus. Um, I think bringing in a guy like Line, especially if they can extend him, and, and a local boy like Jack Roslovic, is just going to help uh, you know solidify that market and make and make that team better. Um, you know, and, and at the same token, it gives uh, another strong player up the middle for, for uh, Winnipeg with uh, Dubois. The, the, the trade was shocking at first. I mean, I, I'd heard it, it had been rumored that it, you know, it would make sense to get the disgruntled players out, swap them for each other, but it seemed like a video game trade to me. But I guess they call that the, uh, the typical hockey trade where uh, both guys can kind of step in and, and be impactful players for both their teams. So, you know, only time will tell, but I do like it as far as for Columbus. I think uh, Line A will, will uh, you know, get that scoring touch back and be a big boost, to, you know, especially since they lost Panarin and a couple other players over the years. So as long as he signs that extension, I think it's going to be a huge W for uh, Torts and Columbus. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm familiar with Rutherford there, Rutherford there obviously, in, in, in Pittsburgh and, and that team and all the talent. It's basically his team and him stepping away there and um, – some rumors going around about who's going to step in, but uh, you know, you, you know, you know from you know teams like the Pens, the Flyers, the Rangers, the Devils, the Islanders. You know, whenever there's a, a move up top, it's. I mean, I know it happens with all teams, but especially a team that's won a championship, a guy who's developed a, a team and a, and a culture. Uh, when a guy drops out like that, you know, you talk about Lamarillo there in New Jersey, and then going to Toronto, and now he's back in uh, on Long Island here, and he's he's taken his type of style the way he runs the show and he's had success obviously in all three spots maybe not so much in Toronto um, but getting close there last year in the conference finals with the Islanders um, but a guy like Rutherford you know stepping down that, that's his team your take yeah pretty shocking uh, you know I, I think I saw it through it reverberate the word wow like tweet after tweet people were just like wow just shocking so you know it, it sounds like Rutherford's not ready to retire he's just ready to move on so you know how that affects Pittsburgh going forward, um, I don't know. They, you know, their core is aging. Um, maybe Rutherford saw some signs on, you know, writing on the wall. Uh, but that that said, Pittsburgh is still, you know, a cup caliber team. They still are, are very competitive and just really, really shocking. I, I don't like hearing that Tom Fitzgerald is one of the people being considered um, as as the GM position there because uh, he's, you know, he's done a fantastic job with New Jersey. So that's a little concerning to me, but. Until that position is filled, you know that that's a, that's an interesting job. I don't know if it's it's the most desirable job right now because of the age of the core, but uh, definitely one that will you know again once the decision is made, send shockwave through the NHL again. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and you know we love that as fans, though we we like the shock news every now and again. Breaks up the monotony a little bit, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> so let's look at this uh, this West Division here. Uh, Vegas still on top. Uh, St. Louis, Colorado, and LA Kings dropping out the top four now. I mean, granted, we're only seven games through. Uh, the other theme here I've been throwing around with the guys today as well, Steve, is is the crossroads as far as these the, the next four or five games for for teams in terms of where they are within the division. Um, you know, not going too crazy. I don't know how much we can kind of really take uh, in terms of the performance of certain teams. Uh, there are teams playing well, and there's teams dealing with adversity, and then there's teams that just can't get their act together. Maybe just an overall overview of the division so far to date uh, before we talk about how the next four games might play out. Yeah, I, I really don't think we'll get an accurate pulse of any of the divisions until they've all played each other. And yeah. you know, I think one thing we've noticed with this is playing these little baseball mini-type series is that from game to game is different. You know, they'll, they'll play the first game. One team will be dominant. The second game, the other team that was dominated will come back and dominate the other team. It's, it's, it's like playing those matchups in baseball. You, you know what to expect and you can adjust to them. And, and, uh, uh, I think once we, we get through everyone playing each other, you'll start to see, um, the divisions really stay, you know, take shape. Um, if you were to look at the standings right now, it is kind of lined up the way it should be. I mean, Vegas at the top and you got Colorado St. Louis rounding out the top three. But I don't think we've got an accurate picture of uh, where those guys are going to stack or even how the bottom of the division is going to fall into line until they all start playing each other. That's something that I actually didn't really think about today in in talking with the guys, too, and really just having thought. You know, you assume that everybody's played each other already. And you're right. Right. Certain teams haven't. Right. So I think once, you know, Minnesota's been stuck playing the California teams and, you know, doing their little thing there, once they kind of were able to move on and maybe we'll see, you know, Vegas moved down to some the lower level and St. Louis, I'm calling it the lower level, the California teams in Arizona. But I, I think at that point you'll kind of see um, that a lot of these records, if you look at Anaheim, L.A., Minnesota, they're all kind of tied, they're tied with points with Colorado. But I think a lot of that is, uh, is smokescreen or fool's gold. Uh, I don't think those teams are very good at all. And I think we'll, we'll kind of see that once they start playing the top tier. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Let me ask you this, Steve. Um, I'm not, I'm not totally tuned in on it, but San Jose is—they're playing. I know they, I know they're not playing home right now, and I know it's just been announced that they're going to have their games back in San Jose in February. Um, yep. So, have you been tuning into them playing? And where they, where are they been playing right now? Where exactly they've been playing their home games? Well, they're playing. They're playing in Arizona. Um, I think I, I don't know if they're playing at Hiller, uh, Gila Arena. Um, I haven't caught any of their quote-unquote home games. Gotcha. So I'm not exactly sure where they're playing, but I know they're going to be relieved to get back in into San Jose and be able to sleep in their own beds and, and that kind of stuff. I know that, um, you know, especially being away from your family in this condition, so like that, I think it's, they're really going to benefit from being closer. They're, they're not a good team, but at least it'll give them a little boost being able to play uh, yeah. in Northern California. Yeah, no doubt about it. Is there anything else that's, that, that kind of stand out? I mean, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it, this really is a tough part. But, I mean, you know, any storyline that's standing out or any particular player here that's maybe shining? I mean, I know you talked last week about, you know, Vegas is just being Vegas because they've got, you know, all the guns up there and they're playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as Colorado hanging in the St. Louis. And, you know, it, it is. It's very early in the season here to start really kind of, you know, gauging a lot of things. But... Um, anything standing out amongst any of these teams or a particular player that's making you go, man, you got to keep an eye on this guy. Well, I think uh, John Gibson, obviously in Anaheim, what he's doing is tremendous. He has two one, nothing shutouts. I mean, the ducks have only given up 14 goals 
um, this season, which is the lowest in the division. But again, they've only scored 12 goals. Uh, that that team, their offense is absolutely anemic. So they need a guy like John Gibson to to do the things that he's doing right now. Clearly, he's he's going to be in the Vezina running if he continues like this. But he's been the the, the real story of coming out of Anaheim, and their their lack of offense is the other story. They're just they're they're literally the most boring team to watch. They have no uh, offensive strength. And when watching them play Arizona, who's you know also uh, offensively anemic, such boring boring hockey. But at least the goaltending was good. Uh, another thing is, you know, the Kapril Kiprasov in Minnesota and the things that Minnesota's been able to do. And, um, you know, that's going to be an interesting story going throughout the season, how he continues to adapt. Is he, you know, that, that finally that, that offensive weapon that Minnesota's needed since. Uh, Steve, do you know his backstory? Where did he, where did he, when did they draft him? Where did they get him? Where did he come from? What's his story? He was from the KHL. I believe he was their top, the top scoring player in the KHL the last couple of seasons. And uh, just finally somebody they were able to get over. I, did, I believe they drafted him. And um, he finally, he's an older player. He's not a young guy, uh, but he's finally over here in the U.S. And, and his long um, awaited arrival uh, finally taking place. Yeah, they drafted him in 2015, uh, 135th overall. So, uh, Finally, over here to make a you know make his mark in the NHL. And so far, so good. He's really fun to watch. He makes Minnesota interesting. Um, and then I can't you know to me the out of all the bottom feeder teams, LA has been the most intriguing. I think that's another interesting story. Um, they've got obviously a lot of young talent, um, but they're really fun to watch. Um, they're scoring some goals. Some of their you know older players are still kicking. Uh, Jonathan Quick has been pretty good. Cal Peterson's uh, going to be another great guy between the pipes that's going to be an interesting story to see if they can maybe squeeze into that fourth spot there because uh i do enjoy watching them they're, they're a fun team they're at least the games are, are exciting so yeah and real quick uh vegas st louis game looks like it's been canceled tonight due to covid concerns so that'll be something to watch too wow look at you on the on the breaking headlines right here <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's a trip. I mean, that, yeah, you know, you know, Steve, when, when the COVID hits the division, it, it, well, as you, we've seen with the other divisions when when COVID hits, it, it causes mayhem in the schedule, and then you've got these teams that are off for several days, and it, you know, it affects the teams that they're playing, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're trying to cram all these games into a short amount of time, fifty-six game season, a hundred and whatever days, and then you take a week or two off of not being able to play, and then you got to cram the rest of your scheduling it's it's going to wreak havoc on this division uh depending on how long this goes for so that's going to be another storyline to watch in the next week or so yeah it's a trip i mean you know just even looking at you know dallas and uh carolina and florida have only played three games you know and they're um, right. you know, they two of them are three and oh the other one's two and two yep. oh and one <laughs> keep an eye on those guys but that's a trip right. you know i was just bragging about the fact that you know hey you got 14 games on tonight and boom look, look looks like one's going to get canceled you know and last minute stuff like that is that's a trip too i don't think um you know i, I know we touched this on this a little bit last week and just in terms of fans uh, everybody you know as far as their team and how they're reacting and everything else and you know, until it happens to your team, as far as you know, COVID, whether it hits the Caps the other day, losing four of their guys, and their whole team has to be readjusted, but they still play well. You know, watching on the fans lose it because they felt like they lost to an AHL team. Um, yep. But it's a trip until uh, you know, you know, you take the Rangers, and we're going to go into the Devils right now. You know, a team that so far everything's they've got everybody in place, and there's they're just it's just normal hockey stuff that they just can't get their act together with. 
And, they, you know, these next four or five games, as far as crossroads and everything else, are going to be huge for the Rangers uh, in terms of the, their culture going forward and everything else. And that'll take us into where the Devils are right now, too. 3-2-1 two, and one after six. Um, you know, Hughes is uh, hanging in there, leading the team in points, seven points. That's your guy. Um, split with the Isles. And they're looking for a split now with the Flyers tonight. And uh, Wedgwood, that's what I want to talk about, too, is um, Lindy's got him playing four straight now. Um, yep. You know, since uh, what's his? Uh, well, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's nice to say. What's his face? But Blackwood, <laughs> Mackenzie Blackwood. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's not proper of me. But I am a Ranger fan, and I was talking about a Devils guy. Yeah, what's his face? Uh, stop the Rangers. But uh, so there's a couple little things there for you to talk about, Steve. Get get your take on that. Well, first, um, you know that I think we're going to see a lot of this from the Devils. They they lost the first game to the Islanders, and they were able to make adjustments and come back and play a really solid game in the second game and really um, hold the Islanders at bay. Uh, I thought they played really well uh, against Philadelphia, even though you know the, the score wouldn't indicate it. They still kept fighting. They they came back from being down two nothing and uh, hit a couple posts in the third period, and then it got you know the the Flyers took over from there. Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how they they rebound tonight. And it's, as far as Wedgwood, you know, from from camp, uh, Lindy Ruff has been really impressed with uh, with Wedgwood. He's he, he I think he praised him almost every single day and said he's been you know really really pleased with the way that he's um, playing. And you know, I think it was important for him to say that after what happened with the whole Corey Crawford thing to let you know to have uh, Wedgwood kind of build up his confidence. And he's played really well. You know, he gets a little loose with the rebound control um, sometimes, but I think he's been a solidifying force there with uh, Mac Blackout, you know, uh, nobody really, kn- they haven't really said what's going on with Blackwood other than he's in COVID protocol. So we can only assume what that means. Yeah. So to have a guy be able to step in and play as well as he has for a young team and for them to play confidently in front of him, I think it's been really important. Um, I, another thing happening right now is uh, Jesper Brad is going to make his way back into the lineup tonight. And, you know, I don't know how many people are familiar with, with Jesper Brad, but he is a, a fantastic offensive player. And I think having him in rough system, taking the place of a guy like Merkley or somebody who, you know, doesn't really uh, can't really put the puck in the well with regularity, I think is going to be another boost to this team, and it's just going to only continue to grow and and get more fun to watch. Yeah, no, that's uh, you know, these are the, the, some bright spots here. Are you surprised? I mean, I mean, your overall view here of the team and, and how Lindy's kind of been playing. I mean, you, you got a winning record, you're three, two, and one. Um, and, and, and seeing, you know, Wedgwood kind of, you know, play all right in there. And, again, you know, you, you, you beat the Flyers tonight. You're going to be uh, pretty good going into, um, you know, the games coming up here um, as far as the schedule goes. So, I mean, are you, you basically know, generally I, happy with the team? Oh, very much so. I, I didn't when, – when you saw the, the, the roster for training camp, I was like, oof, this is going to be a long season. But I really think that the, the players use the time off, some of them um, – to really hone their skills, get uh, in better shape, and to um, just really be be ready to step in and play. And I think they really enjoy playing for Ruff. Um, I think he's made it known that he, you know, this is a young team, a lot of young guys there. Really, I mean, think about you know when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. He's been in there. He takes time to personally get to know each player, and I think they feel really comfortable playing. And he tells them to go out there and, and do the things that they do best. And you're seeing. Uh, some guys take really big strides. Ty Smith, uh, last year people wanted to call him a bust, and the Devils, you know, I, there were rumblings within the organization that they really blew it with that pick, but he's been outstanding this year. And Jack Hughes, he looks like a completely different human being the way he is on the ice. And I, I just, I, it's a pleasure to watch them. You know, 
the last few seasons, they couldn't hold a lead. They got down a couple goals. The game was pretty much over, but this team continues to fight and push and claw their way back in and respond to adversity. And, and that's all you can ask for with a young team, uh, especially this early in the season. Yeah, and uh, let's talk about uh, the defensive squad here again, too, obviously with Subban. I know we touched on uh, PK a little bit last week and um, what he brings to this team. Um, you know, with the goaltending, uh, with Lindy coming in there, his background on defense as well. I mean, he was the quote-unquote defensive specialist coach for the New York Rangers the last few years. Um, you know, their development and um, just trying to play. I, you know, I, I I don't have the stats here in front of me. Their shots against, how's that How's that been running, and, and, and what do you see from them? Because <clears throat> defensively, the you know, as far as Devils' successful teams, they've always had yeah. a great defensive core, and that was always a big part of, you know, for me, I, I feel that that's, you know, you think Devils, you think, you know, Niedermeyer, Danico, and, um, um, oh, my God, Stevens, all those guys from the, the, right. the big days, and then even, uh, you know, a few years ago when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Devils and stuff. Um, any makings of some potential here? You know, I mean, you saw the Ranger game. They gave him 50 shots. So they're, they're still giving up a lot of shots. I think the, the game against the, the Islanders where they shut them out, they gave up less than 30 shots. And I think that's where the team has to be to be successful. Um, I think a lot of the shots, the shots they give up are a byproduct of them playing the kind of running gun game that they're playing right now. But it, it's really the shot quality that has been, that they're working on diminishing. The, the volume is high, but the amount of high quality shots is being diminished. Um, you know, you've got, you, the defense, you've got guys like Will Butcher and Connor Carrick haven't played a game yet because uh, Ruff likes what he's getting from Steverson and Subban and, and Ty Smith and Tennyson, and then you've got Ryan Murray. Um, they're all playing a really solid game, and, and there's, the players seem to complement each other in their styles. He's, Matt Tennyson has been uh, the whipping boy for the Devils fans this year, but Lindy Ruff said he likes the way he plays with Ty Smith. It allows Smith to have a little bit more freedom offensively where Tennyson plays a more sound defensive game in his own end. So uh, at this point, I can only trust what Lindy's doing because it seems to be working, and I've, I, I'm not seeing the, the defense making the repeated glaring mistakes that they've made in the years past. Are, are they making some mistakes? Sure. Uh, we saw a couple goals uh, in the Philly game because of some turnovers in front of the net, but uh, that's to be expected. But, you know, I'm going to trust him until, uh, you know, the team you know either flounders or, you know, he decides it's, it's time to make a change. But right now it, he's – He's pushing all the right buttons, and he's getting the most out of these guys. So we're just going to ride it and, and see how this, uh, this turns out. Absolutely. And the last thing, uh, Steve, before I let you go, is up front, obviously, 14 goals in the in the 16 games. You talked about Hughes playing well. Uh, Miles Woods, uh, he's got three goals, and Zajac's got two along with uh, – is, is it Zaka or Zaka? I'm going to get it right. Zaka. Zaka, Pablo okay. Zaka. Uh, where do you see uh, some more goals coming from the rest of this roster? Well, uh, obviously, Jesper Bratt coming in is going to be a huge boost. And, I, and Nico Heischer is back in skating. So once he gets back in the lineup and you can kind of get players like uh, – Carl uh, Palmieri has looked completely uncomfortable this season. And I think once Nico comes back and you get him back with Nico, you'll start to see him uh, you know, get a little more comfortable and hopefully start pitching in. I mean, this is a 25-30 goal guy, and he's got nothing. So uh, obviously he needs to step up. And then you've got Nikita Gusev, who's – starting to play better he had a rough start to the season but now he's starting to uh, play uh you know up his offensive game so you know once you, you got brat nico and you got palmary chipping in you get Gusev going and then you got you know some of these other guys this, this fourth line of uh bastion and 
uh, Mikey McLeod and whoever they throw in the wing, whether it's Pokenin or Boquit or whoever, um, those guys have been chipping in a few goals and uh, playing a, a really tough game. It allows the Devils to roll four lines. And those guys chipping a goal or two here and you get those top players going, I, I think it's, it's just going to only strengthen this, team, this team's uh, ability to score. And uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes, when, especially when they get the full team back. And not to mention Sammy Vatanen, who is uh, an offensive-type defenseman. So uh, that'll be interesting, too, once he gets in the lineup. I don't know if I like what I'm hearing from you, Steve. This sounds like it's all good stuff for the <laughs> Devils. You know? You know, this. it's funny because in the beginning, and let's just be honest with you, I, I didn't think the Devils had a sniff this year. But, you know, talking to you these last couple of weeks and seeing how they play on the ice, and then you throw in Lindy Ruff and the experience, and uh, they've got a nice little mix here. And I'm telling yeah. you, man, before we get together next week, they, hopefully, that you know, if they beat Philly tonight, they got two games against Buffalo and then Pittsburgh before me and you get back together next week. And, again, right. there could be a huge four-game swing for these guys as far as points and in the standings. And they, and they almost have a chance here to kind of say, hey, everybody, we're here and get used to us. So that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I think that that was one of the things that going into this week, if the Devils could grab, you know, six points uh, out of the games with uh, Buffalo and Philly, you know, five, six points, that I think that would really start to show the rest of the league that, hey, this team is, uh, is not going to be a pushover. They're going to be somebody who's going to be hanging around to the end. I don't know, buddy. So. I'm not happy. <laughs> but I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy for you and all the Devil fans. It's all good stuff. All right, buddy. Thanks, as always, for uh, giving me your time here uh, every week. And uh, I wish you and your family a great, safe weekend. And uh, I don't know if you should put the shovel away out there in Cali, but hopefully you can. All right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't need, I haven't seen a shovel in about uh, 25, 30 years. So. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks so much. Be good. We'll talk to you next week, pal. All right. Take care, bud. Take care. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, on that hockey show. Every Thursday coming in here and hanging out, doing some West Division talk and some New Jersey Devils. Ah, us Ranger fans are not digging that. Man, we got our work cut out for us. There's no doubt about that. Anyway, that puts a bow tie on uh, episode two of THS, that hockey show. For everybody who's listening, downloading, and subscribing, we appreciate it. Give us some feedback, man. Tell us what you want to hear. Working things out, rolling along, but it's all good stuff. Tons of hockey on a slate tonight. And on behalf of Tab, Joe, Costa, and Stevie, this is Paulie. That hockey show out. Till next week. Take care, everybody.